Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everybody. It's December. Isn't that amazing? Three, about three years ago, almost to the date, my guest, Stephanie Sampson, joined me when I was still in the uh, L.A. Talk Live studio. But today she's joining me from the comfort of her office and the comfort of my office as we talk about what's going on at LAX. Stephanie is the Director of Communications at the LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, Land Side Access Modernization Program, better known as LAMP. Welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Hi, Marcia. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we are also connected to the Chamber. We have a lot of different connections here in the Westchester area because, let's face it, where I actually live, I measured it. It's about three miles to the airport, so it is in my backyard. And you have this great job that we're going to be talking about. But for those people that perhaps missed our first show three years ago, could you just tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, born and raised in Southern California. I got a uh, master's degree in sport management and a bachelor's degree, degree in communications from Cal State Long Beach, where I was also a uh, collegiate athlete throwing the hammer, shot put, and biscuit. Um, hmm. I spent most of my career working in college sports, uh, primarily at UCLA, where I worked in uh, sports information for football track and field and swimming and diving and today um, I still do stats for UCLA sports um, but I came to the airport almost six years ago uh, next February started in community relations and then when the LAMP project started going through procurement decided uh, they needed a communications division to help uh, obviously communicate about the impacts and, and the major projects going on there so um, I had the opportunity to move into the communications team um, in a support role, and then took over as the director a little over two years ago. And now, uh, you know, full steam ahead on this project. <laughs> well, congratulations on your evolution because you're right. When we spoke last, you did not have that position, and LAMP really wasn't even thought about back in those days. We were talking about how do you travel in the holidays, and we'll be, we didn't know we had a pandemic then. I mean, we didn't have a pandemic then. We'll talk a little bit about that towards the end of the show about safe traveling. But what I thought we could really concentrate on is this LAMP program, the Landside Act. Access Modernization Program, and because you are that director and you know a great deal about this, let's 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 delve into what's going on there. So, what projects are actually included in this LAMP program? There are a lot. There, the main <laughs> one being the automated people mover train system. Then we have a consolidated rent-a-car facility. We have intermodal transportation facilities, and then we also have roadway improvements. 
have about a five and a half billion dollar price tag on them. Wow, five and a half billion. Billion with a B, correct. Billion with a B. Holy cow! You know, it's so funny when I hear the term "full mover." All right, I don't know what other people think, but I can tell you where my mind goes immediately where do you okay now obviously i'm a whole lot older than you but where do you think my mind goes immediately when i hear the term people mover disneyland yes (laughs) (laughs) yes i think about disneyland like oh the people mover well this is a little bit different than disneyland this is not a fantasy and this is this is real and i think it's just going to be so exciting so exciting so Let's just kind of jump into this or let's fly into this, however we'd like to discuss this. How will it benefit the airport and the travelers, these different projects? Well, the first and foremost is going to improve access to LAX. Um, We obviously have all experienced the difficulties getting into and out of the terminal area, especially during the holidays. So this entire program is meant to improve landside access. So the train itself will provide time-guaranteed access. Um, You're going to have new options for pickup and drop-off outside of the terminal area, so people will no longer have to even go in and pick up and drop off uh, loved ones. And then we're consolidating all of the rental car operations, so it will be a much easier uh, way for people to get their rental cars and drop them off. Mm -hmm. Nice. It's it's pretty remarkable, and you mentioned that it's – with the B, $5.5 billion. Um, tell me a little bit about the uniqueness of these contracts, just just so as an outsider who doesn't know a lot about this industry. What, what makes these contracts so unique? Yeah, well, the $5.5 billion is primarily just the design and construction cost. And the, the $5.5 billion for LAMP is just a portion of our overall capital improvement program budget for the airport, which is over $14 billion with a B. And on the LAMP side of contracts, we, we did an innovative way to contract these projects, and those are what are called public-private partnerships. So the People Mover Project and the Rental Car Project are both of these, these P3 projects. And what it means is that We have a developer. It's a consortium of different companies coming together to um, build these projects. And they're responsible for designing, building, financing, operating, and maintaining for a certain period. The People Mover contract overall is worth for 30 years and is $4.9 billion. And that was the largest contract that's ever been awarded in the city's history. The Mm -hmm. rental car project contract is – $2 billion, um, and that's for 28 years. So it's a significant investment, but what it really does is is take the risk off of the airport and put it onto the developer to build it on time, to make sure it's built correctly, to ensure that we're uh, bringing in workforce development and inclusivity on the contracts, and really making sure that it's a benefit to the local economy and neighborhoods. It's, it's um, interesting. As, as a side note, you know, like I said, I, I rode over there today because it's so close, and I just wanted to see up close and personal. And my daughter, who's just a little bit older than you, is also in um, commercial construction. And you can't plan for what's 
not going to you don't know if if you're going to hit a water main you know you don't know if these things are going to happen it's just part of what happens in construction which is why you know um there's an emphasis on safety there's an emphasis on building properly but there's a lot to a construction job and I see now by having the risk be not on the airport but on the like you said public private I can see what mm-hmm. makes that a little bit different when you mentioned just a little while ago that the lamp project is the 5.5 billion dollar besides that you mentioned that there's that the whole overall scope is over 14 billion so there are a lot of other things going on at the airport are they going on at the same time, just not part of LAMP? Uh, Some of them are underway at the same time. For example, we have the airport police facility that's being built off Westchester and Loyola. So that one's under construction right now. There are a lot of uh, terminal renovation projects. We have our midfield satellite concourse that is nearing completion, a lot of runway improvements. Um, You know, the airport's kind of like the 405. We're always under construction. Um, but it's all in the goal of creating these world-class facilities that um, will rival any other airport uh, across the world. Where do we stand in in the United States? Where are we in the busiest airport? Not not counting pandemic, so we have to really not really count that into this. But prior to the prior to 2020 and 2019, where were we? Yep. What was the busiest airport in the in the U.S. Uh, Atlanta is number one, and we were number two. And then worldwide, we're ranked third in 2019. Wow, third in the world. Wow, that's really yeah. something. Yeah, we moved up from fourth to third. It's it's you know, it's really funny how you can take for granted the things that are around you. However, as someone that grew up in this section that you're talking about where I grew up off of Century Boulevard and on aviation, and I could see those airplanes for as long as I can remember. Before it was even LAX, it was, what was it? It was something field. I can't even remember the name of it now. Minefield. Um, that's it, Minefield. Even through all of those years, all of those years up until now where I'm still living in Westchester, I am still in awe. I I mean that. I am in awe when I see an airplane take off or when I see it just crossing the sky. Or for those of us that are very familiar with where LAX is located and the In-N-Out Burger, which is a, a, a passageway that many of us traveling going south would drive by to get to the airport, and you would just see, well, in the, in the old days before now, you would just see people with their wide-range cameras and just taking taking it in because not everybody lives by an airport. I am just... I sometimes I just look up and I go, how does that happen? How does that just stay up in the air? Or that term called vectoring, where at night, especially as I'm driving home from someplace and I'm traveling, going east, and it's like, wow, look at those lights. I'm just mesmerized, not to mention personally, it's probably the greatest 
thing I've had to give up, like so many other things that we've had to give up this year, and that's traveling, whether it's whether it's national or international. There is just yeah. something so wonderful about traveling. And I've had fortune to travel all over this world, and I'm always so proud, so truly proud of what we do here at LAX because I think we do a superior job. I don't care what terminal you go out of. I I just I just think it's great. So that's just my editorial opinion because that's how I feel about LAX. But let's let's talk about that automated people mover project. I would love to to really understand what it is you guys are doing at the people mover. Sure. So the automated people mover is really the the spine of the entire modernization project and the entire system is two and a quarter miles in length, uh, and that will basically begin or end at the West Station, which is right next to Tom Bradley International, and goes all the way to the consolidated rent-a-car facility. Uh, end-to-end, if you got on at that West Station and you got off at the, the rental car facility, it's a 10-minute ride. So we talked about time-guaranteed access to the airport. You now know you can be there within 10 minutes or less or be on your way in 10 minutes or less. Um, the system itself, um, the, the train guideway is uh, about 50 to 65 feet in the air, depending where you are along the pathway. Uh, there are six stations total. We have three inside the terminal area and three outside the terminal area. I mentioned the one station at the rental car facility. We have a second station, which will provide that long-awaited connection to Metro, which I know Every major airport in the world and many in the U.S. connect to regional transportation, and we will finally have that opportunity connecting to the Crenshaw LAX line, uh, and that will be um, at a station over Aviation Boulevard. And then the third stop outside the terminal area is located at what is called our Intermodal Transportation Facility West, which is our fancy term for a parking structure. And for those who remember the Lot C Economy parking lot, this is basically taking the place of that parking lot. It's a four-story structure, 4,300 new spaces, short and long-term parking. And what's really exciting about that project is that it actually will be the first completed and will open next summer. So we're really excited to um, get that facility up and running, and we'll have a shuttle bus transporting people to and from that facility when it opens next summer. And then when the people mover is completed, which is 2023, uh, we would then use the train to connect to the terminal area. And um, the People Mover is an automated train system, so no one's physically driving the trains. Everything is controlled from a maintenance and storage facility that's located off 96 and airport. Um, so anything that would um, cause a slowdown or anything like that, everything's controlled from that um, new facility. Um, but you know, time guaranteed access is something that's going to be crucial to making it an easier airport experience for everyone, and so we're really excited about that. Where, so let's say, you know, I'm flying on Southwest Airlines, mm-hmm. and um, now I want to get parking structure, which is the, the, the intermodal transportation facility, better known as the parking structure. Yeah. Will the will I meet? Will I be walking to some location where at, at, at each? I guess what I'm trying to say: Will each airline have its own location 
you come out of baggage and now you want to get over to your car? How will that work? So there will be uh, pedestrian bridges that connect from the terminals to the stations themselves. So um, the West Station would connect to Terminal 3, Tom Bradley, and Terminal 4. So if you were coming into Tom Bradley, you would walk out across the pedestrian bridge and get on at the West Station. Um, the center station would give access to terminals two and terminal one, as well as five and six. And then the east station right now will have access to terminals seven and eight. And so that is what station you would connect to. You would just cross the pedestrian bridge, go up to the station via an elevator or escalator, hop mm -hmm. on the train, and then you'll be at your stop within minutes. And how... How many, how many trains are there? I mean, is it just, just is it does it like a long caterpillar, or are these all individual trains? How does that? How does it physically look? There, it's a four-car married pair set. So during peak operations, which would be 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., we would have four train cars operating at a time, and that would allow a train to go into a station every two minutes. And then oh, during off-peak, yeah, every two minutes. And then during off-peak hours, there may be um, just two cars at a time, but the max wait time would be about four minutes to each station. So you're still having high frequency even in off hours. Um, we're building 44 total train cars. Um, and so several of them obviously will be kept in storage um, and switched out as needed. Uh, and right now the train cars are actually being assembled in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Bombardier factory. The first three um, are underway right now, and we will be um, accepting the first few train cars in uh, early 2021. So we're really excited about that. Oh, no kidding. How many oh, people – go ahead. I was going to say, it's completely free to ride the train as well, which is oh. a critical piece of information that I know you, everyone wants to hear. Um, if you're coming uh, to fly, you can ride it for free. If you're an employee, you could ride it for free. If you want to drop a loved one off, um, you could, say, park at our, our ICF West, that intermodal facility, um, park in one of the, the spots, hop on the train with them, say goodbye at TSA, and go back on your way, and it's completely free. Whoa. That's really cool. That's yeah. that's great. Man, that gave me goosebumps. Let me ask you this. So how many how many people can ride in one of these? I know we're calling it's a train, but we're going to call yep. them cars for right now. So how many people can ride in, a, in, in one car? So it's 200 per train car or per train set with luggage, so 50 per train car with luggage. And each train car has a few seats for those in need, but it's such a quick ride that you really don't need to sit down. Um, it has the capability to move 10,000 passengers per hour and 85 million per year. And to give you some context on that, our passenger numbers last year just for air travel were 88 million. And we know most people, we're not going to have 85 million people riding the train as much as we'd like. We just don't expect that. But we do expect about 30 to 40 million when we start to utilize the train system. It's, it's also about us getting people to change their transportation patterns and see how easy it is to, instead of driving into the terminal area, 
getting on the train instead. Right. So I'm just I'm I'm being selfish and thinking specifically about me right now. So I'm going to fly to Tucson and okay. I need to get to the airport. So instead of my friend dropping me off at Southwest Airlines where I check my baggage and then go inside the terminal, that's not going to happen anymore. You're going to want us to go to the intermodal transportation facility, the big parking structure. And when we're there, we're going to then get on a train. Oh, I, no, I guess not even. You're, my, my friend's going to take me to, that, to the ITF and drop me off there. I'm going to get on the, the train. I'm going to take it. And it's going to drop me off at Southwest Airlines. Easy peasy done. Right. Am, now, am I right? Private vehicles, yeah, yes. Uh, private vehicles uh, will still have access to the terminal area. So you could have your friend drop you off at Southwest, but there is also the option to drop off at one of the three stations outside the terminal area. So not only the ICF West, but say you're coming from the Inglewood area, you could uh-huh. be dropped off at the rental car facility station. Um, and take the train from there, or you could stop near the metro station and take the train from there as well. So now we have three options outside of the terminal area that people can pick up and drop off at and, again, avoid going into the terminal area. That's terrific. Um, I know you mentioned it a little earlier, so I'm sorry if I'm just kind of jumping all over the place. Does this mean because I'm going to just ask what I don't know, does this mean that no longer will Uber and Lyft and yellow cabs be coming into the airport then? We don't know. Um, What we're doing right now is we're studying transportation patterns for all of the commercial vehicles, that includes the Uber, Lyft, taxi, hotel, parking, shared rides, anything like that. We're looking at it and studying the transportation patterns and modeling what it will look like in the future. Um, but the ITF West and then the station, the ITF East, which is the connection to Metro, both have areas with commercial curb and circulation roads and are potential areas where we may move out uh, those type of transportation. Um, the only vehicles we know for sure, and I'm jumping ahead now a little bit, um, that will not have access are the rental car shuttles. And that is because oh. they will no longer be needed. So by consolidating all of the rental car operations, um, which right now they're spread over, you know, 20 different locations in the airport area, the rental car shuttles are no longer needed. So we know for sure they will no no longer have access, which is taking away 3,200 daily shuttle trips and over a million shuttle trips per year. And those are all pre-COVID numbers. But, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I – frequently would drive into the terminal area and get cut off by a a rental car shuttle or can't get to the curb because it's blocking the area, they'll be gone. So that's the only vehicle for sure gone. And everything else will be a policy decision closer to opening. Got it. Like, for instance, another shuttle that that we see, like are those flyaways, or we see, um, um, the ho- local hotels that might be able yes. that might have come by to get you. So that's still um, up for. We, does flyaway is that part of the? That's not a rental car. So flyaways and no, hotel shuttles. Not, that's the, to be this. Yeah, the flyaway is actually uh, an airport run um, oh. shuttle system. So most likely we would keep the flyaway because we want people to continue to use um, 
in, use it in the future. And so uh-huh. since it's one of our own vehicles, we would most likely keep it in the terminal area as it is right now. I see. All right. Well, that sounds good. Um, and, and really, this this really sounds very convenient. Um, and I realize that, you know, let's just jump forward to the way life used to be and say you've got two children that are flying to go see grandma's house, go to see grandma. And so you're going to you're going to ride with them, you're going to get over to the airport, you're going to go in with them, you're going to go to the check-in with them, you're going to go through all the TSA stuff, and then you're going to come back out, then you're going to get on another train and you're going to go back to where your car was. So right. I can but and so while that may sound like it's taking a while, that's not nearly as long as all of us know that has been backed up along Lincoln Boulevard or Sepulveda trying to get into the airport because there's exactly. so much construction, so much, so much um, uh, traffic. So I can see where this is just, this is going to be really, really cool. Um, let's let's talk about um, the. The, you call it CONRAC, the Consolidated Rental Car Facility, because right now yes. my understanding is that all of these different companies are not, now going to all be in the same physical location. I think it's where, actually where I was today, is in my understanding, that Manchester Square area, is that yep. where the yep. rental car facility is going to be? Yeah, so there are uh, seven companies representing 14 brands that are in agreement with the airport to move into this facility so that, you know, Hertz, Budget, Enterprise, all of those different um, companies. So they'll all move into the rental car facility. And um, the People Mover is uh, scheduled for 2023 opening, and so is the rental car facility. So when everybody moves into this facility, and this facility will become the largest rental car facility in the world when it is completed. It's uh, approximately 6.3 million square feet. Um, It's going to be the second largest concrete structure in the U.S. behind only the Pentagon. So it's it's pretty massive. And and you saw it this morning when you drove by. And anyone who drives by Aviation, La Cienega, Arborvita can see this massive facility coming to life. Um, and by putting everyone into this one location, you, again, take away all of that need for that rental car shuttle, so no more shuttle bus, um, and you just take the train to the last stop, and then you can go. It'll have uh, the ready return spaces, idle storage. It will also have a quick turnaround facility, which basically allows for light maintenance of the vehicles like car washing and gassing up and and oil changes and stuff like that so all of it is within the footprint of this 6.3 million square feet which again helps take away traffic on the roadways and the great thing about it is with this project there will be a new uh 98th street will extend all the way to the 405 freeway which will allow um, people renting cars and returning cars to get in and out very quickly and on their way instead of kind of mucking up the streets along the airport. My address was 5432 West 99th Street. I know where 98th Street used to be. It, this is this is really really exciting. Just I mean truly this is so so futuristic in so many ways. I've just 
it is it's it's thrilling. I I am I am so happy for you know I know it's Los Angeles International Airport, but it shares the same zip code that I do, and that mm-hmm. and I feel like it, I feel like LAX is in Westchester, but I know people wouldn't know that necessarily. <laughs> but that that's just how I feel. I do think that this is going to be really just tremendous. So we're, I would like to talk about the intermodal a little bit and trying to mm-hmm. understand the conception of all of this because I know we're throwing out streets and somebody's listening in Des Moines and they don't know where La Cienega <laughs> and Aviation and Arborvita and Century is, but I do. Um, so in relationship to the – I'm trying to trying to understand conceptually – so you've got a rental car place. You're no longer going to go to Jitter Hertz or whatever those places are. They're all going to be in the same location. So I, I right. think I understand that. Seven companies representing 14 brands, I think you said. Right. But yeah. that's that's the rental car business, this big mm-hmm. gigantic. You said, did I, did I understand this? Did you say it's the second largest concrete stru- structure in the U.S. behind the Pentagon? Yes. Yeah. Holy and cow! The largest rental car facility in the world when it is completed. Man, that yeah. really puts us on the map, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm just. I mean, and, and you know, I I want to just mention this to people as right right now as I'm thinking about this. LAWA, which is Los Angeles Worldwide Airways, you know, obviously, as you might imagine, those of you that are listening, there are websites galore for all of this. So if you go to LAWA.org forward slash connecting LAX, you'll see a lot of what we are talking about right now. And I'll make sure that that's included, uh, Stephanie, in the follow-up blog so that people can easily go and just check out what's going on at LAWA because it, it is it is just, I mean, some days you must just pinch yourself and go, wow, I mean, this is, this is really cool. Um, all right, so let's talk now about the the – the parking, the, what we're calling the parking structure, many of us knowing as, as Lot C in the old days. How, how is, how can can somebody just go and park there if they want to not yes. have a rental car and you can just park there, right? Yeah, it's going to have um, short and long-term parking, and then. Further down in the sewer, we will have valet parking as well. But when it opens next summer, it'll have short and long-term parking. And we don't know yet what the pricing will be. We'll know that as we get closer to next summer. Um, But it would be probably comparable to the economy-style parking options. And um, it's adding 4,300 new parking uh, stalls. And to compare it to inside the terminal area, there's 8,300 within the parking structures in the terminal area. So it's it's adding a significant chunk of parking for the airport. And, again, it's a convenience because you won't have to drive into the airport. You can park off-site, hop on the shuttle bus for a few years, and then eventually the train. Um, But it will have smart parking features, so you will be able to um, secure your parking spot ahead of time on your mobile device. Um, if you don't do it that way and you come into the facility, you can look for the green light or the red light and know where to go to park and how many spots left on each level. So that will help with the vehicles idling and that constant searching for an open spot. So we're really sure. excited about the technology that's going into it. Um, 
but it, it'll be a, a really nice addition to the airport and, and that project, you know, we're, we're done pouring concrete and really the work that's left is finishing it, painting exterior facades. Um, if you check out uh, fly LAX airport on Twitter, or Instagram, uh, we posted a time-lapse of an escalator install last week, um, which was pretty cool to see escalators flying through the sky. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's a facility that's, you know, going to add options. And that's what a lot of this project is about, is, is providing new options to everybody. So you mentioned that there's in this in this parking structure, well, I'm going to just use that term for right now, that there's going to be 4,300. Did you say it's a five-level um, building? It's a four-level structure. Four-level, okay. So, but then you also mentioned that um, in the terminal itself, that there's, I think you mentioned something like 83. What did you say, mm-hmm. 8,300? So 8,300. So, of those 8,300 parking um, um, spots inside the airport, will those will those be also available if somebody wants to truly just say, look, at I'm giving myself ample time. I'm I I'm going to need a wheelchair or whatever whatever their reason is. My guess is you're going to have to have some kind of accountability, you know, accessibility for somebody that needs that kind of help. I, I'm I'm making a presumption. Should I not have made that presumption? Will no, there no, be wheel? You can still you can still park within the terminal area. The parking uh, in the central terminal area is a premium, so it's a higher cost than what you would find at at the new parking structure we're building. Mm-hmm. Um, so it incentivizes you to save money by parking outside, mm-hmm. but there still will be the option to park inside. And will there be ultimately on these trains, um, because you, I know you mentioned that it's automated, there's not going to be like somebody, you know, looking at you and saying, hi, how are you today, because that person's not there. They're in the central area. If somebody needed, um, you know, help because they're in a wheelchair or something like that, will there be a ramp or will there be a way or a lift? How how will the handicapped person be able to utilize this? It's a great question. Um, everything, of course, is ADA accessible. Um, the okay. stations have elevators and escalators. The train cars themselves, it's level boarding and very wide doors, which means you can roll right in if you have a wheelchair oh, or luggage. So, yeah, super, super wide doors, level boarding, no lift is needed. There are chairs, or sorry, seats for those who need them inside the train, and then there are handholds and everything else for people who may be standing. Um, so completely ADA accessible. And then the pedestrian bridges within side the terminal area, um, 60% of those will have moving sidewalks. So for those who, who need the moving sidewalk, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, the ones that don't have a moving sidewalk, it's just because there's not enough room for the infrastructure to be placed in there. And that's mm-hmm. why there's still the option to drop off curbside if you're really concerned about the amount mm-hmm. of luggage you have or if you're concerned about um, ADA needs. Um, but everything we're building is accessible, and that's a requirement. Oh, that's good. I, I, I presume that the, it, you couldn't you could not do that. That would that would not make sense. So, um, all right. I'm I'm I, you know, I have this outline, Stephanie, of all these cool things I want to ask you, and it's like I'm I'm so excited to be able to hear about all of this. So it sounds like um, it's going to be affordable to park there. You're, that that's going to be yep. nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for people that are that travel, you know, not you know, we have LAX is not the only airport in town. We know that, 
but for people that are doing particularly international travel, you know, this is this is really vital. And I I think that this is such an an incredible thing that's that's going on. So the status in the parking structure, what I saw today when I went over there, I could see that concrete had definitely been poured. And so now the construction of building up, building those, um, you know, that four-story structure, um, I, the concept, it's, it's almost, like you say, it's almost a 1,000 um, parking spots per level if it's 4,300. Mm -hmm. 4, so that's really great. Um, I just thought of another thing. I know you mentioned the ADA thing. Will there be any restrictions if someone, there's been a lot of talk about this right now, will there be any restrictions if somebody has a guide dog or something like that? Will the dog be able to be allowed to go on? Uh, yeah, as far as I know, they should be able to ride, not a problem. I know mm -hmm. um, that there there may not necessarily be facilities, the pet relief facilities, they won't be in the stations, I know that, but there could be something outside. But um, if there are service dogs, of course, they'd be allowed on. And then people who are just traveling with their dogs, I haven't heard of anything regarding not allowing mm -hmm. them on. So it's, it's a great question I probably have to check on, but pretty sure they would be allowed. Well, you know, it was, what, it was just in the news this, this week about restrictions. You know, no, you cannot take your peacock. No, you cannot take, you know, your your favorite um pot belly pig on the airplane with you anymore. Right. I know I know people that have traveled with um what I'm what is the term uh, um it's what's uh, the word comfort. when it's, comfort, comfort where um yeah. where you have a small dog and you mm -hmm. really you do qualify your doctor has qualified you, but that that dog needs to be able to sit underneath the seat in front of you. At least that's how right. I recall it being in the past. So, you know, I know that's an airplane thing, but, um, you know, so many so many things are changing. And your website is really exceptional. There are so many um, tabs for documents and guidelines and all kinds of things for people to look at and, and learn and learn. Have you – has this added a lot of um, – Employees. I mean, this this must this must this must be a huge amount of people that are working on this project. Yeah. Well, the the people mover it's adding about I think twenty five hundred construction jobs. The um, rental car facility is around two thousand. Um, the ITF West parking structure has had you know about six hundred people working on it. So it's it's adding opportunities for sure with construction mm -hmm. and you know part of that requirement for the rental car facility and the people mover are to provide opportunities for work and so that's you know hiring um, workforce from the airport impact area so there's a specific area code set of area codes that are considered airport impact area and the Contracts require that these developers use 30% local hire during the construction phase. Um, mm -hmm. So they're achieving that, and, you know, we kind of set this really high bar to make sure that the, the local stakeholders and uh, the local economy benefits from these projects, not from how it will transform the airport, but by providing job opportunities. So we're, we're really excited about 
the commitments each developer made and, and how they're sticking to them. That's that's terrific. I, that's that's really good, and I know there's there's it, it, it's a it's a change. It's a daily change. I I can't imagine as the director of communications what it must be like to be in your shoes trying to keep everybody informed. Uh, I do you have a large staff that works with you, Steph? Uh, no, actually, um, it's kind of a, a one-woman shop. But I do um, have my developer communications teams who help a lot. Um, they help with stakeholder outreach and providing content. And I work very closely with the LAX public relations team um, and other members of the airport to make sure that we're communicating. Um, you know, when COVID hit, it kind of put a damper on, on my position and my job because my job is to go out and talk to different stakeholders and community groups and share what's going on at the airport. And and last year I did over a hundred of them. And this year it's different. We, you know, transitioned to virtual updates and are, are doing our best to keep everyone informed. Um, but it's, uh, it's exciting. I, you know, I worked in sports the majority of my career and <laughs> came into construction on a very random I, you know, honestly never thought I'd get excited about seeing tower cranes and about how much <laughs> concrete this got poured. And for me, it's it's being part of something that's so transformative and, and just such a benefit. It's just every day I, I love it. I like seeing what's, what's next for construction and what new milestone can we talk about. It's true because I'm thinking about when you said, you know, how you're not out and about. We we are both members of the chamber. You did make a presentation at my Ply Venice Sunrise Rotary meeting uh, where you did a beautiful PowerPoint about what was going on. And, you know, I know we can't physically be in the same room right now, but I know because I have been in the room with you last year when that happened, you can feel your excitement. It is genuine that this is yeah, – it's not sports. This is not lacrosse. But it is something that is affecting millions, millions of people. And it's, mm-hmm. to think that – it's like little old me. I'm the one that's, like, getting this information out. I mean, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty, pretty cool. I, I thought that we could spend some time talking truly about – because we, we've, we've talked – you know about the construction and and the different projects that Lamp is putting together, and I know that the roadways is another element that's part of your your undertaking. But you know the holidays are upon us. That's what we talked about when you were with me three years ago. The holidays are still coming. Um, I'm not flying. Most people I know are not <laughs> flying. Um, right. I'm not even driving, frankly, to go somewhere. But I thought we could spend some time talking about how the rules have changed and what flying is like during this just unprecedented time. So what can you tell me about that? Well, you know, we just made it through the the Thanksgiving travel period, which right before it was about to kick off, we heard from the governor and the mayor that uh, you should stay home if you can. Don't travel if, if if you have to travel, okay, but if you can stay home, please do. So that's kind of how we kicked off our, our holiday season, traveled. And, you know, we saw our highest travel numbers going through TSA since um, the pandemic started on November 20th. We had about 44,000 
go through TSA screening, which was the high since March. Um, and overall, during that Thanksgiving travel period, which is about, you know, 10 days, um, we're, we were down a third, basically did a third of where we were a year ago. We had over mm-hmm. 3 million passengers travel last Thanksgiving period, and we only saw a third of that this year. So a significant amount of people traveled, but it's still nowhere near where we're going to be. And and obviously this pandemic is uh, continuing on and, and hitting hard right now, and the recovery is, is a slow process. Um, at our worst, we were down 96% from year over previous year. Um, that was at the height back in the, around April. And we know that they don't think travel will return, air travel at least, to the numbers of 2019 until probably 2023 or 2024. So it's going to be a long, steady climb back to those record-setting numbers. But for those people who are traveling, LAX is very focused on making sure that it's a safe experience at the airport. We have put up over 800 plexiglass barriers on ticket counters at TSA. Um, We have 350 hand sanitizer stations. We have automated a lot of our hydration stations with drinking fountains and water bottle filling stations. Um, Within the restrooms, we have touchless water uh, faucets. Um, We're cleaning every hour. We're using electric static sprayers. And um, TSA now allows you to uh, scan um, your ID or your passports, and those documents are passed back and forth. And so we're really focused on creating this touchless journey at the airport uh, to really minimize the amount of contact you have to have with either people or uh, items. So that's, that's one thing we've been working on. Did, are are there currently there's there's not a place where people can be COVID tested in the airport, is there? Oh no, there is. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we opened some temporary testing locations in Terminal Two, Terminal Six, and Tom Bradley, and those test results are provided within uh, 24 hours. And mm. the lab we're, we're using is Curative uh, Labs, which is also certified by the state of Hawaii. So if you are going to fly to Hawaii, you could get tested at the airport. Um, there is a cost associated with it. It's about $150, I believe. And you get your results uh, within um, 24 hours. We are also opening a full COVID testing site for rapid response testing Um, near Terminal 6, and we're hoping to either open that later this week or early next week. And that site will provide um, antigen and PCR tests uh, within one to three hours of taking the test. You'll have your results, um, also for a cost, ranging from $85 to $199. So we are offering these on-site testing um, and when the, the full site opens um, at Terminal 6, we'll close the temporary one inside the terminal area and keep the one at Tom Bradley in Terminal 2. Um, because a lot of people, and I'm, and I'm, I'm included in that, um, I know that the terminals have numbers, but help me out with this. Is Terminal 6, yeah. is that United and, and American? Uh, no, Terminal 6 would be Alaska. Okay. 
Yeah. So, and terminal okay. two is delta. Oh, terminal two is delta. Okay. Mhm. And what what is what is um, American and United? Are are they in the same terminal? United is a seven and eight, and American is four and five. Oh gosh, boy, do I have that wrong. So four <laughs> and five is American, and seven yeah. and eight is United. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, because Delta moved. You're right. Delta moved over to the other side, didn't they, a few years ago? Yeah. Delta's over on. Yeah, but actually, we closed Terminal Three uh, earlier in the pandemic um, just because we didn't have enough passengers. But it's also Mm -hmm. allowing for um, construction for Terminal Two and Three, which are being renovated by Delta. It's allowing uh, for construction to move forward, and they're actually going to complete that project about 18 months sooner because we were able to close Terminal 3. So uh, the Delta renovation would be done in 2023 instead of late in 2024. So yet that's part of that big, gigantic um, billion-dollar project. That would be one of those things Mm -hmm. included in that? I see. Yeah, it's about $1.6 billion for that project. Wow. I know that there. I know people personally that um, have worked the PUP program and some of these VIP programs as volunteers mm-hmm. in the airport to just sort of, you know, reduce some anxiety. I don't know if Heidi um, Hubner is still involved with that or not. But oh, she do is. You, yeah. yeah. Is she? So yep, yep. I would imagine. Wow. I, so are those? So that that volunteer operation is still underway. People are able to volunteer that want to help reduce some of the anxiety and stress that travelers may be having right now? Yeah, so I I know we were bringing back the PUP program on kind of a, a, a test basis. I don't know um, if they're fully back completely, um, mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, with contact and stuff like that, they're being a little careful bringing, bringing the animals and their handlers back. Um, and the, the VIP, the volunteer professionals, um, I'm not sure how much, um, how much they're doing right now. I know we've, we've implemented some virtual information kiosks that I know mm-hmm. some of them are, are manning. Um, so instead of having face-to-face conversations with someone at an information booth, we have a, a virtual kiosk where you can ask them questions via video. So just another form of that technology to to still provide the information that they may be needed, but reduce the amount of contact. That's that's great. And it goes without saying that everyone is required to wear a mask, correct? Oh, yes, it is required, yes. You know, it's so funny. We we here take that so for granted because – that's how we've been living forever. There are other parts of this country that don't necessarily adhere to all of that, but it is required here. And uh, I, you know, and I'm honestly, I'm thinking about the people that I know have that have been those volunteers in the VIP, and they're mm-hmm. probably at the more, you know, they're they're my age. They're they're active mm-hmm. senior citizens, and maybe they're you know they're maybe in a position in their life where they might feel a little bit more anxious going out when we've been asked to stay home. And I right. can see where that would be would be part of the problem or it would contribute, I suppose. But mm-hmm. I, it sounds like so many things are happening. And 
I I don't I can't even imagine. I'm I'm trying to visualize the airport, you know, and what it looks like and and you know, for people that are just you know, flying in and you see those big standards because the the the, the lights are still working on the big um, outside the, the airport, right? Uh-huh. Right, the pylons, yeah, right, right. So that that's really great. Are what about the actual inside the terminal, Stephanie? Can somebody actually go into um, a store and buy a newspaper and a snack, or are those are those all closed? Some of the stores are open. Um, some are starting to open as we see more travelers coming back. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that the airport has started is uh, the LAX Order Now app, which allows you to order food and drinks and snacks on your mobile device. You pay for it on your mobile device, and then you go pick up um, whatever you've purchased. And it, again, takes away the contact that you would have when ordering food. So there there are still restaurants, some restaurants that may be closed, but we now have an app where you can order ahead and pick up your, your food and drink inside and, and completely avoid contact with anybody. That That is really great. So if you've got to have that Starbucks, you would get yep. the LAX Order Now app on your, on your phone, and mm-hmm. you would just place your order, you would pay for it all there, and then I would imagine there's some kind of social distancing or however this works. You order it precisely the way you want to. You, you, you've got your six feet apart or whatever that might be, and you just walk your way up, and there's that, there's that latte that you really want, and it's just waiting for you, and there it is. Yep, exactly, yeah. That, you know, I feel sorry for those people, and there are those people truly, and I would presume that they're probably the older population, but not necessarily, that may not have a smartphone. They may not. And right. so they're, that's going to make it more difficult. So in a case where you don't have the ability to put that app on your phone, does that prevent you then from going up to Starbucks and ordering a cup of coffee? No, no, not at all. Oh, not at okay. All. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just it's just another option for you to avoid contact. Okay. Well, I still think that that's really great, and I I would imagine that the way that I'm trying to picture what it would look like. It's really interesting, Steph, because I actually did fly the very last time, and I came home, and the next day was a stay-at-home order. I had flown to Las Vegas to see the Pac-12 basketball tournament. Nice. And it was, yeah, it, it would have been, but all the games were canceled. They canceled it, yeah. Yep, yeah. They, they canceled it. You would, you know that because you're, you're a sports yep. person. So my son yep. and his wife flew in from Arizona. I flew in. We were all there to watch U of A play um, USC. And it's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> and, I mean, at that yeah. point we were in masks because masks were already sort of something we did. Um, people had gloves. You know, people were still using the slot machines and doing whatever they do in Las Vegas. But what happened was, yeah, these teams that came from a great distance, much farther than flying in from USC and UCLA, um, you know, the the tournament was, was terminated. And then I flew home, and then literally the the very – the very next day is when everything closed down, and 
I haven't flown since then, so it certainly has affected my life. But I know that people have to travel. You know, sometimes people are traveling not for necessarily something that's making them happy. Maybe they're really traveling because there's been something significant that's happened in their family that's not a wedding, and they really need to get to that loved one or those family members. So I'm really glad honestly, that the airport hasn't just shut that down for people, that the precautions are in place, and that the future is the future, and that's where you are. I just heard George Jetson just playing in my head because that's what happens. <laughs> I I got this, this this jukebox, it never it's never quiet. But, you know, we will get things that we love, um, in the meantime, you've, you have a lot of people that have been employed that are working, and I was very grateful to speak to the gentleman today, you know, that asked me why I was taking pictures, um, because people are employed, and we want to see people employed. That We right. want to see people employed, and I think that that's, that's really vital. So I want to just ask you, if you don't mind, I want to ask you a personal question, and I like to ask this question because I know how I feel, but I don't know how you feel. Because of the responsibilities that you have and what you do and getting all of this information out to so many people, where's your downtime? Where's your Stephanie, i got to take care of me time? How do you balance all that's expected of you and also where you find time to regenerate your engines. What do you do? Well, normally I travel. Um, obviously that uh, hasn't happened this year. I actually was supposed to be in Northern Ireland in early oh. March with my parents, and we had to cancel it two days before our trip. Uh, and it was good that we did because we would have been um, potentially quarantined in Ireland had we actually gone because that's mm-hmm. when everything pretty much locked down. So for me, I I tend to travel, um, but can't do that this year. So, you know, I don't really know. I I would go for walks in the morning and, you know, um, binge watch television shows. But I've always had a hard time turning off work. Um, Mm -hmm. I find it harder to – when I I would go on vacation, I would still check my email – because mm-hmm. it gave me peace of mind knowing what was going on at home, and I didn't want to come back to a thousand emails. And right. I, I've been told by, by uh, you know, some of my bosses that I really need to take a step back and, and take a break. Mm-hmm. But being in the know, I like knowing what's going on. So for me, I think shutting down completely doesn't give me that, you know, I'll get anxious about things. But, you know, like I've been spending a lot of time with my parents um, pretty much, they're the only people I hang out with since trying to keep, you know, all my close mm-hmm. contacts, you know, that small circle and, and follow all the protocols. Um, but, you know, I a nice glass of wine in the evening sometimes. <laughs> it kind of helps me kind of, you know, cool down a little bit. But, um, sure. you know, once, once we get back to normal life, I'll, I'll be traveling again. I'm already making plans for next year. Okay, so, all right, so that would be a great, I know where I'd want to go. So now we're, the travel ban has been lifted. We feel yes. safe and sound. So where would the first place you'd want to go? Oh, man. 
Well, Barcelona is my favorite city in the world, so oh, I, I would say Barcelona. But uh, mm-hmm. my parents and I have been talking about going uh, back to France and doing wine tasting in the uh, Loire mm-hmm. Valley, which I went to a couple couple years ago, um, or even maybe Florence, Italy, and going to Tuscany. So I don't know. Wherever it is, as long as it's somewhere international and I'm out of the country and enjoying sightseeing and eating and meeting new people that yes as long as I'm out out and about it really doesn't matter where I am as long as I can leave (laughs) well you've mentioned places that I have personally been but where you didn't mention which is my absolute recommendation take take everything off the board and just say where would you go if you haven't been to South Africa if you have not been to Africa Oh, my gosh, that is everything you could ever want. You talk about meeting interesting people. It mm-hmm. is, it would, and, and if I love photography, so obviously that's a, it's a, but I love the photography in Barcelona, too, and, and the other places that you've mentioned in, in Paris and France and, you know, all those other places. But, oh, my gosh, if you are the travel person you've just talked about, I highly suggest that you consider adding Cape Town, Botswana, Zimbabwe, seeing those Victoria Falls, going mm-hmm. on a on, on a, a photography safari. I don't mean you know grabbing a rifle. Um, that <laughs> is that's really that is there's I just just it's life it's just yeah, life altering. I've had many friends that have been there who highly recommend it as well. Yep, it's it's really and I'll tell you I'll tell you another place. 70 that I really loved, truly. In fact, I would put it, one behind um, Africa is Vietnam. I had a remarkable experience in Vietnam. And then you're right over by Thailand. Have you been to Thailand? No, I haven't been to any of Asia. Yeah, well, add it to to the list. But for now, what we need to do is get ourselves, get our airport up to the standards that you're expecting over these next three years. And it's really 2023, you know, we're almost, let's face it, we're almost at 2021. So it's not like 2023 is three years from now because it's not. And we've all had to make enormous adjustments to our lifestyles, to our travels, to whatever it is we've done. And I just want to thank you, Stephanie, for spending this time with me today, informing the listeners about what amazing things are happening at LAX and what we can all look forward to in the future. Everyone can take something away from what you've had to offer today. And I'm, I'm really, truly grateful that you and I have got to spend this, this time together today. Well, thank you for having me. As always, it's always fun to catch up with you, and, and I'm always happy to talk about the airport. Well, it's obvious. So I would say to all of you listening out there, be safe, do the things that are necessary to keep you well, and, you know, we will we will all get through this together the best way that we can. And once travel is up and going at the – I mean, it's it, the airport hasn't closed, so let me be very clear about that. People can still travel, 
but I'm just letting you know that what's going to happen in the next couple of years is going to change the way we've come to travel. So thank you again for joining me, and I will let you get on to your next meeting. And everybody be safe out there, and I'll look forward to having you join me again next week. Bye for now. Let's play this music. I don't hear it going. Come on. Well, I'm going to go ahead and shut this radio um, um, episode off. Bye for now, everybody. <laughs>